This is the Hunt Quietly Podcast. I'm Matt Ranella. All right, so we're here to talk long range shooting with a bow and the ethics behind it. And my guest this week is Troy Fowler, a.k.a. Ranch Ferry. So that's me. I am certain that you probably has have told the story more than once. But how the hell did you get the name Ranch Ferry? I run a 3,000 acre ranch for my wife's family that they've had since 1900. And uh, um, I manage all the cows with the cow, cow guys and do all the pipeline work and keep the fences running and all that stuff. And don't have a lot of family members who are really interested in doing all the responsibility stuff. And it's just part of who I am. I like doing that stuff. I, it's not explainable. Yeah. So I started calling myself the Ranch Ferry a decade ago, jokingly with the family. I was like, oh, you know, the, the scooter's good, the AC works, the toilets are flushing, call the ranch fair, something breaks. And when I started the channel, I put it into Google and nothing came up. So you're, the closest thing was some place for horses and kids called Fairy Ranch in like the out the west. It was like a day a camp for kids. Oh, yeah. And um, it was some horse and, and, operation i think was for special needs kids or whatever i I don't know but um i went okay well you're either super popular you you got to get a lot of hits or you're so unique you won't be forgotten that was my marketing strategy gotcha and i said that name is perfect (laughs) because it kind of flies in the face of the tough guy tattooed bow hunting bull crap and no way no one forgets it yeah no one forgets it so, so your first year I was up, it, I was, I got all the transgender crap and all that. And then finally <laughs> went away. <laughs> so you're by trade, you run a ranch in Texas and then well, that's part of about five things I do, but by trade, I'm a respiratory therapist who realized he didn't like the hospital, but I like the science people. And I like uh, patient care. I like outcomes that the patients get better. And I went into the sales side of the respiratory world and found out that I really enjoyed that. So I've been in sales for 20 years. So I'm running up $60 million P and L, you know, kind of a typical middle management kind of guy. And, uh, I had a great career, but I started the ranch fair on a whim and here we are. I it was never supposed to be here. I was never supposed to be on podcasts. Yeah. I was going to say we can we could talk about it but you could really get into the weeds on what you do because you do like there's a lot of like math and calculations and and your your channel is like very technical very educational I have a problem as I can't accept 80%. Yeah. I always go what if what yeah. what if or, and then when I see something happen, I go, why? And for the first three and a half years on my channel, I knew what I was seeing as I studied arrow performance, shooting pigs in set situations. I'm not a hunting channel. Yeah. 
I use the pigs at deer feeders to get shots, get a lot of shots. And I can actually test arrow platforms. And pigs have no rules. The state doesn't recognize them. You can shoot them with helicopters, bombs, burn them to the ground. They're, they're no different than a, than a rat or a rodent as far as the eyes of the game managers in Texas. Right. And I've actually talked to some biologists, and I won't name them because we did it on the phone or did it in person. But they were like, you probably should manage them like coyotes. You probably should manage pigs and shoot a ton of them. To, so an ecosystem is a balance of all the animals running around. So I got cows, I got pigs, I got deer, I got turkeys, quail, rabbits, everything. When you shift one of them, the other shift. Well, if you keep pounding on the pigs, there's going to be space. Yeah. Theoretically, that's better for your deer and your pigs. There's no way to prove that, but it's just known over the years. So I started really hammering them. So anyway, you, back to the science thing. Um, once I started studying that, I try. I, I kept saying, "Why though?" I know what I'm seeing. I'm shooting through them. I'm killing stuff super fast now, compared to what I used to do. And I had to know why. So that's why I started getting technical. Yeah. And the the trend was fast arrows. Uh, and you saw that through the, the two thousands, the early two thousands. And then you, you see now that people are going to a heavier arrow fixed blades. Is that what you're seeing? I do. I, I, 90, I think I haven't touched 90% of the market. The big television shows and the guys with all the leverage on the marketing side still have all the leverage. They're more believable than some idiot on YouTube, despite the science. Oh, okay. So let's <laughs> let's effort. Let's get let's get into it. So we're we did a podcast and we looked at long range shooting and and the ethics behind it and and how that's portrayed on on hunting TV with firearms. And so this is sort of the second uh, oh, episode. So bad. Yeah. This is the second and the episode. Calibers they're shooting two are completely inappropriate. Oh, the six fives and the six fives and all that are completely stupid. You need to get three. You need thirty caliber and three thirty eights. Brutal badass. <laughs> if, you I, if you're if you're hey, if you're afraid of recall, then stop. But I'll let you go. I'm just I'm pretty opinionated. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the second installment. So let's let's talk about it. What? So I have my opinion on what hunting tv we see and it's celebrated long shots are celebrated the longer the shot mm -hmm. the, the more it's celebrated and of course mm -hmm. we're we're monkey see monkey do people see hunting celebrity a on tv make a 60 70 yard shot and he's a freaking badass and guess what they're going to try to do they're going to try to do the same thing and 99 percent of the time they're probably not equipped they're probably not as skilled, et cetera, et cetera. Do you want to start there? Yeah, just... so it, it's a pretty simple thing, and then it's going to get more complex as we try to dissect it because uh, we could make this the shortest podcast ever and just say some people are really good at stuff. Yeah. And they should not be – they can promote the fact that they can do it, but they need to say, "I'm y'all need to be careful with this. They won't. Okay? But – 
Why, why is really that? Why do you think you, they won't? You'd sound like a complete a-hole if you said, most of you people aren't going to be able to do this. But the rest of us who are watching need to sit back and say, am I really capable of doing that? Like, to have a little humility. Yeah. You're not in the NBA. You and I are not on an NFL football field. And I've played football and basketball. And I am not going to make the NBA. I promise you. Right. Um, I'm a pretty half-assed decent fisherman, but I'm not as good as the guys on the tour. Right? There are exceptional individuals out there who can pull that stuff off. And get the target. And we're going to go here. And get the arrow to go to the intended point of aim regularly that doesn't mean the animal is going to be there and that doesn't mean the arrow is going to penetrate that means they are capable of making that shot under field stress conditions and get the arrow to go where they were shooting but having the animal not move and having it penetrate are two different things that's the six five argument yeah the six five will get there it just loses all its ass out there about 400 yards you lo- you look at the ballistic coefficients it's terrifying so there are people who I think should be doing it, but it's a very small percentage of the, of the bow hunting world. And for me, 40 is a long way. Oh, man. I am good at 25. I'm real good. I'm, I'm quite capable inside of 30. Yeah. So I just don't shoot that far. Yeah. I've missed but plenty of stuff at 30. And that's, There's no doubt. Maybe that's an indictment of, of my skill set, but... To me, 30, 35 is freaking far. I know some people yeah. are probably laughing no, right mean, now if going. I'm elk hunting shit. or something like that, and I get a 30 yard shot at an elk, I'm doing it. Yeah. If I get a 40, 45 yard shot at an elk, I probably won't do it. I will absolutely let down or I won't shoot. Um, and that's not because I shoot 700 grand arrows. That's because I don't, there's too much that could go wrong with me shooting the bow. So, and that's. Do you think the trend in in hunting TV is just to well it's twofold. Let's let's do something different that other people aren't doing. Let's show let's show our skill set and then let's mm-hmm. sell products. You think that's why? No, I think it's I think it's even well the, we'll go into the product side. There's a few people who bounce who beat on me pretty hard that are in the big bow companies, the big 3. There's a couple of guys out there who've done everything. They've shot the ball, the sheep, and they've shot a lot of big stuff and all that. And they smack on me pretty hard. Um, and their argument is the equipment is more, more efficient now. Ma- making somebody who has an average set of skills, like the bow is a magical thing. Yeah. Like the bow fixes everything. Yeah. Now they're selling bows, but they're arguing if you compared like a longbow to a modern compound, they're arguing that the compounds now allow you more flexibility because the platform is more efficient. They're not that much faster, dude. We were going 300 feet per second 15 years ago. We were. We had overdraws. We were still doing it. (laughs) It was just the ugly way to do it. The, the misconception is, is that these guys shoot as as their jobs and they're shooting more. Right. That's what I'm saying. That's the, they're the best people on the, in the world. And I'm not going to tell them they can't do it. It's still hunting and everybody's allowed to make their own decisions. 
But I think that the you as the consumer of that media or idea or whatever rabbit hole on some message board you're going down about shooting for, you need to not act like an a-hole to yourself and try to man up and be like everybody else. You need to really evaluate your skill set. Not just say that clown did it, I can do it too. There's some kick-ass bow shooters out there. I shot the triggers out of my over and under when I was 17 because I shot it so much. Yeah. I never shot a 25 in skeet. Right. But don't shoot for money against me back then in a field of doves. I will take 12 shot 12 shots and you will lose your money. Yeah. When it was widely varied and the shots changed, it's like I couldn't keep my shit together on the skeet field. Because it's the same thing. I got bored. Yeah, and there's... And I mean, I shot it so much, I shot the triggers out of it. Had to have it rebuilt. Right. The sears wore off. That's the kind of stuff those people are doing. And my skill set shooting the triggers out of a gun wouldn't allow me to compete with the top guys and gals. They were just a click better at that game. Yeah. And I realized that, and I was like, okay, this ain't, I thought I was going to be like shooting for real, like in tournaments and stuff. We're well, going to shoot 425s to even, even get through the cut. <laughs> I didn't have one. So that kind of makes for sure I'm not going. I'm in the B League. And that's the thing I think about the long range thing outside of aero platforms and outside of the animals not moving that humans need to sit back and evaluate because I'm sorry, back to the gun thing at the range on a sandbag, 70 degree temps and no wind and a rear sandbag. Most of us are pretty damn good because that's a dead rest. Yeah. On the side of a mountain, it's snowing. It's 22 degrees and two o'clock in the afternoon, you've been hiking for, you know, six hours and you take a 380 yard shot across a, a canyon at a 45 degree angle down, you know, down into the Canyon. Whew. Brother, that ain't the same. Yeah. I, I said that on that, on that podcast, I, I said, you're you basically, if you're not shooting in real hunting situations, you're, you're, you're wasting your time. That's correct. And you should shoot your bow from your knees. You should shoot behind trees. You should get so close to a tree that you got to draw and you got to back up and get the bow clear that shoot kind of like this. Yeah. Because that's going to happen. And for, those not seeing this he's leaning back as if he's leaning back behind a tree or leaning off his stand yeah so right imagine that you got behind a tree and you thought you were going to shoot to the right and the left and this elk comes out and stops right in front of you and there's a limb you can you could at the waist bend back lean back and clear the bow of the branch at 20 yards and shoot it's not the ideal shooting position but if you know where the arrow's going to go because you've done it 50 times then you compensate I did a whole video on this. I was talking about um, range findering um, the target and then taking four steps back and, and, and guessing. Like close, but, but not perfect range. So that simulates a, an animal moving. So you're on your knees, you call this bull, let's say it's an elk, because that's a pretty classic thing. You call him in, you laser him at 29, and it takes three steps, and you're, you know, and you're at full draw. You don't have time to you just know he went further away. Yeah. 
But you know, there's at least 29 plus a little bit. Well, if you practice that, you hold a little higher, and but you're more confident. You're not guessing as much. Your brain's amazing. It's amazing. So what have I learned? What are, what are the top shooters doing that the common man just doesn't know? From First of all, they're just, there's something in their head that's different. They're not normal. I don't know if you've read about NFL quarterbacks, but they say the top, you know, the upper half of the best quarterbacks in the league, there's some kind of a, I, I read a whole article and went off into a hole about it. There's some brain process where they can do like three things at once. No shit. And they throw the ball, they throw the ball and they know this dude's going to be there. And it's not a timing thing. This is third receiver. And yeah. They see somebody like, see somebody's out of their peripheral vision. They see a defensive back go left and they're, and they know their guy's going right. Oh, okay. He just, we got enough room and they throw it through a window. They're not normal. They're special. And I think the top shooters in the world have some different level they can go to mentally, their concentration level. Certainly there's a lot of reps, right? But I don't think you can rep it. I, I just don't. I think they were already here. My middle child, Caleb, can shoot stuff out of the air with a 22. It's not repeatable, but he's done it enough that it's terrifying. Yeah. Like flying birds and stuff. Yeah. Now, he did that when he was eight. It, it wasn't like we sat out there and shot a thousand shots with a flu. We threw clay pigeons and stuff and shot them with a 22, which isn't terribly difficult. But um, he shot enough birds out of the air with a 22 that it's kind of scary. Just something <laughs> intangible. Mm -hmm. There's no way to measure that. How, how about setup? What, what are the pros doing that we're not doing that, that we're unaware of? I think they're, uh, I don't know. Um, I think some of the stuff that I've revealed about bear shafting and knock tuning and stuff they're doing, and they weren't talking about it. Uh, and, and I'm not asking. So we suggest that we do that. I'm, I'm just trying to, to outline on why they get away with longer shots and the common man shouldn't and doesn't get away with longer shots. And the wound rate is probably much more, much worse than you think, than you know, yeah. it, than they report. Than more than it's, yeah. more than, and then it's worth admitting. I don't, I, I really think that they've got their bows really, their forms really repeatable. Their bows are probably really repeatable. And then I really, the more I explore the arrow, and the more I explore strategies to build a more consistent set of 12 or 15 or 18 arrows that are absolutely as close together in flight as possible, I think they're doing that. I don't think they're getting a box of arrows off the shelf, spinning them in a spinner, and they're good to go. They may say that on their videos, but if you're the top target shooter in the world, number three is not making any money. Yeah. There's one guy making a bunch of money or yeah. two. There's just no money in it. The economics aren't there. There's, in the bass world and golf and stuff, those guys, you can place 12th and still freaking get your money back and get your travel back. And in, especially in bass fishing, they can get pretty far down the rungs, keep their sponsorships, and still pay for their next trip to go to the next place if they have a bad finish, right? 
there's enough money in the system. In five spot shooting and Vegas stuff, come on. So what's your what's your distance limit that you put on yourself? Uh, 30. 30 yards. I just don't. I went nail guy hunting last year down south, and it was a spot and stalk and do it yourself. And I just said, I'm shooting the best arrow system for penetrating a five or 600 pound animal, which was 715 grains, perfectly tuned every shaft, bear shafted every shaft, hand fletched to the bear shaft and hand honed broadheads and all that stuff. I even built broadheads that were glue on. There's no screw in system. So they were bomb proof. Yeah. And I said, I'm just not, I'm not shooting 30 yards. I didn't get a no guy. <laughs> it wasn't because of distance. It was just a difficult hunt. If I would have had a shot inside of 30, I had the arrow platform to do the work wherever angle the thing came in on. No, just didn't that, happen. 700 and what's your distance or your, your weight? That, that time I was shooting, I was shooting 715 at 226% Florida center. I had 400 and I had almost 500 grains in the front. What's your whitetail setup? I just shoot that. No, same thing. No shit. Yeah, there's, you get used to the trajectory. And it doesn't make any. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Your brain starts to see the flight. Yeah. The trouble I've got, Jim, is I'm 54. When I started bow hunting, the bow shot 180 feet per second. We were shooting a 2018 that probably weighed 600 grains. Nobody weighed them. Yeah. You had a bare razor head. I'm so old enough that the Thunderhead replaceable was a revolution. <laughs> okay. I, they were, I'm pre those. Okay. And you had Zwickies, you had bare razor heads, you had a bunch of crappy stuff. They had one mechanical that was a piece of garbage, really bad. And then they had the Thunderhead came out and it changed the world. Replaceable blades. But we were shooting 180 feet per second with huge pin gaps and we just dealt with it yeah it's what you had so to me and i shot trad for 10 years and um i don't i don't have a i just don't i don't worry about it anymore i sound like an arrogant ass because everybody thinks i'm just a heavy arrow guy and i'm gonna shoot 700 grains because i'm gonna prove my world point in the world is it's not true that arrow flies great they bear shaft easy. They're super accurate. They go where they're aimed, and they'll break anything that gets in the way. And I don't intend to shoot them where I have to break stuff. But they jump around. Animals jump around a little bit. Note even, to everybody on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> even going s- slower. So, so what? What's your your data suggest as as far as like downrange when you go further out, forty fifty yards. So we did a whole study on this. I have a whole playlist. It's called long range arrow performance for anybody listening. We studied it through a lab radar. The lab radar is a unit that's, uh, I got one right here. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's no video. Sorry, guys. It's about a foot by foot square, perfectly square unit. They're bright orange for some reason. And you set the distances for it to pick up the projectile. It can do rockets. It can do rifles, handguns. It could do bows or archery. So we did a 60-yard kinetic energy study. 
So we set the radar to pick up the projectile flying at 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. Okay. And then yeah. we put the target at 60. No, we put the target at 70. And we went 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. It only takes five measurements in it. You can't, it's not an infinite number of measurements. And what we found out was um, my arrow lost 14 feet per second at the target. And a 388 grain arrow out of my bow lost 35 feet per second. It launched at 294, and the 388 grain arrow hit the target at 250. That's right, 34 feet per second, 260. Now, my arrow launched at 220, but it hit at 219, or 28, uh, 209. It basically didn't lose any speed and has all that mass, double the mass. Yeah. And inertia is kind of misunderstood. Well, it's greatly misunderstood. You need to be worried about how hard the target pushes back and not how hard you push the target. Okay? So when an object stops, it only stops because it meets an equivalent force to the force applied to it. We are flying an arrow. No one's thought about how hard the target's going to push back and how much force it's going to put back on the target. And the mass of an elk is 600 pounds. <laughs> Chest wall doesn't have that kind of resistance. I got that. So to stop an arrow, it has to have an equivalent force eventually to its um, the energy going forward. You can get deep in the weeds on this. NASA has all kinds of websites on that stuff for anybody who wants to dive into this. There's nothing but facts there. So when you have a super heavy object, it doesn't slow down. It still has all the mass to keep it moving. It's not a velocity thing. The lighter projectile gets there theoretically in a hurry, but it doesn't have any pop once it gets there. Then the same target is pushing. A bull elk is pushing on a light arrow the same amount that it's pushing on a heavy one. Except the heavy arrow pushes harder because it's hard to slow down. It's really hard to explain. And 700 is a little over the top. I've got That's two heavy. buddies that, yeah, I got two buddies who hunt elk with 700 to 750 grains and they just don't talk. They don't post. They don't want to hear anybody yamming. And they kill like crazy. He's like a ninja. You're getting shit for suggesting that a heavier, slower arrow is more deadly than. A faster arrow? Um, some of it, yeah, I do, because people don't understand what they're saying. They just listen to the standard. They watch the television. They see the, the common people and the big names, and then they just believe that. It's called confirmation bias. So you have a bias, and you get it confirmed somewhere. You can do this anywhere. Just go on any website that, about a bias you have, and everybody will tell you you're exactly right. Remember, I'm the guy who goes, but what if about everything? Yeah. Every, I'm weird. Like, I'm constantly going, what if? So, 
when you start to ask why, you start to back into what's the goal? So what's the goal of shooting an arrow at an animal? Kill the animal. Correct. I don't think we start there. Your brain's forever going to be changed when I tell you this. When you start watching videos and reading and seeing the message boards, you need to ask yourself, are they trying to kill them or are they trying to get it there? Deer, moose, K-buffalo, elk, whatever. Because you want to talk long range, I'm mostly throwing the elk thing and mule deer thing out there. That's where I get the most crap. The Western guys say I'm really stupid because I don't hunt with them and blah, 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 and all this bull crap. You can't, be, you can't beat the kinetic energy and the momentum charts. It just doesn't work. You're, you're wrong. You're wrong. The math doesn't lie. It, the math doesn't care. It's like like we said earlier. Out West, give me a guy with a 300 wind mag and half-assed, a decent gun that's on target at, with 300 yards zero and pretty good shooting skills. And I'll take your six, you just put whoever with a six, five out there. Cause you yeah. whistle one through the middle of a mule deer with a 300. He's going to die. Yeah. If you miss one a little bit off to the side, that's a big old, that's a big old bullet. brother. There's a lot of room so, for forgiveness. What, yeah, so what are I your get, charts t- telling you? So you're, you did this chart. Can people find that online? Yeah, go. T- well, no, I don't have it posted. Just go to my channel, the ranch Ferry, and look up the long range. Uh, aero performance playlist and i did did like eight videos on it with the rocket man with a lab radar yeah that's that's where i found i found you guys when i was watching those videos because i was think i was wanting to move to a heavier arrow but go ahead and i shoot 700 i got that i just got used to it but i have been preaching for six years please cut the veins off of your arrows and bear shaft every single one of them but if you'll bear shaft every single arrow in your in your uh, every arrow you're going to shoot, and if you'll get those tears down to a half inch or less, a lot of people say you got to get a bullet hole. Well, the monkey holding the bow affects that a lot. Like yeah. you're going to make mistakes, right? Oh, and I made. But if a- you got an inch, inch and a half tear, you got to do something about that. Get it down to half inch or close to perfect. Then fletch them and tell me they don't choose straighter. I mean, that's, but the energy charts were completely eye opening. So, so you did this with your, is he your partner, your buddy? You call him the rocket man? Yeah, Daryl Barnett happens to live in Austin. He was 20 years in the DOD. He built anti tank projectiles, rail guns, and earth penetrators. Okay, there's one interesting thing that the rocket man says. If we made, if we did uh, a, a tank penetrator like archery does arrows, he doesn't say this exactly, but he says that he's a lot nicer than me. <laughs> if we built arrows, like the, if we built a tank penetrator like we built arrows and just decided to hit the target and it bounces off, those, those some bitches shoot back. Yeah. It's a zero sum game. If yeah. you're in the tank and you're cruising along one day and you hear a big bong on the left, and you hear a boom, maybe somebody's shooting at you, you swivel your turn around. I hope your team's got better projectiles, and you shoot back. We don't do that in archery. We don't care about the target. Let's just get it there. Yeah. Shoot the biggest freaking mechanical you possibly can. Get it kind of half-assed, tuned up. It's going to penetrate. <laughs> well, do you, do you remember the Source dude? one is YouTube. 
Just watch the penetration on arrow platforms on YouTube and tell me it's consistently do, being done. Do you Ridiculous. remember? Do you remember the guy from Whitetail Properties? He had. Well, a, he hates me. Yeah. Remember, I've heard he, that he doesn't like me very much. Really? Yeah. He, oh, fine. Keep he saying su- my name. <laughs> he suggested that you shoot. A gut shot with the rage. He was basically doing an advertisement for rage broadheads, I believe. And suggesting that the cut diameter, you could actually aim at the guts and and kill a deer as an effective method because of the, the cut diameter with the rage broadhead. Well, that's fine. He can believe whatever he wants. It's fine. I, I, I can't control all that. I don't, I really, for somebody who does bow hunting stuff, I rarely watch bow hunting it. And I have, I had an old guy in an airport tell me one time, he was, it was, he was an interesting guy. He looked like Colonel Sanders. And he said, you know, one thing I have never had. I said, what's that? He goes, I've never had a competitor buy from me. So I don't watch those bottles. I just do my thing. And I was like, wow, that's pretty free. But if he said that and people, uh, accepted that message no I, that's, I, confirma- he, that's just confirmation bias the he, people shooting the rage wanted to hear that they were okay shooting them in the middle so they found somebody who says okay shoot them in the middle yeah i can't I, fix I, those people i think for the most part people really spoke out against it because that's just fucking unethical no it's just, re- it's, re- it's, re- it's a very it's a terrible message um I've started saying this a lot, and I'm going to start saying it more. Thank God for Ed's database. For 30 years and 1,039 shots with 113 data points before Microsoft Excel. So the Ashby report was done before there was Excel. There's no Google Sheets back then. Yeah. All the graphs and stuff, he had to do, he had to do the old-fashioned way. But one of the goals of the Ashby Foundation is to actually put the data in some kind of a data set. So if some regulatory agency comes our direction, somebody can defend what we're doing. When, explain the, current, the Ashby Foundation. So Dr. Ed Ashby wrote the original, the only on meat uh, arrow performance study on the planet of Earth. Okay. It's ashbybowhunting.org. Go there and look at it. It's very comprehensive. It's unbelievably comprehensive. And he was commissioned by the Natal Game Board back when bow hunting was illegal to do a study that was formal in white paper fashion with graphs and charts Yeah, to say what was lethal and what wasn't for bow hunting. And that actually helped open the, open the continent up to bow hunting. Because back then there was only three countries that you could hunt bow hunt in because they didn't have a rule, they didn't have laws on it. You could hunt with whatever. They didn't care. So what came out of the study is all this crap that I I'm basically the soundboard for Ed now. And Ed lives about four hours from me. I see him all the time. He's great. Um how old is he? He's probably 80. I've never asked him. God, his stories are great. Rambling around Africa as a PH in the 60s and 70s, just doing whatever the hell you want to do. It's unbelievable. Two rhinos with a longbow. I mean, and he's done it all. So at the end of the day, what he found out was by just studying, this is pre-carbon too. He started without carbons and then carbon showed up. And he was able to shoot a lighter arrow on a very heavy point. And FOC was known 
It's not like he discovered it. It's an aeronautic term. They've known about it for years. Rockets, they use it a lot in rockets they shoot to make them more stable. But the forward ascent center really increased the penetration. And then the broadhead platforms, he shot everything. And, and he shot Asiatic buffaloes for years. So they would call a buffalo with a rifle. Within 30 minutes of the kill, they would shoot a, a test. And then they'd go get another one. And they studied the edge integrity. They studied the way how sharp they were. They studied the different points. Like grind different points on the broadheads and make them flat and square and round. And Tonto Tip came out to win. And the arrow that performed, the, the minimum arrow that performed the best was 650 grains, the highest four to center you could find in a long broadhead called the tough head. You can't see it here. It's three inches long and one inch wide. It looks more like a drill than it does a broadhead. And in all angles, all shots, it outperformed everything. Even back On then. meat. On meat. Yeah. And the Ashby Foundation is doing it again. So we've done a 21 and a 22 study on Cape Buffalo with compounds. And Rob's going to Argentina to hunt Asian buffaloes, I think, there. And do the same thing. And still, Ed's arrow still smoking everything. With a, with a with an eighty pound compound, it's still smoking every air, every arrow system out there. Even all these years so, later, that original test, right? So the, that just proves that the the bullet, right? The bullet's super efficient on meat. This goes back to shooting the tanks. Ed didn't worry about getting it there. He didn't worry about how far he could shoot. The shots were twenty yards, just to be consistent. Okay, but. He all he studied was the arrow hitting the target and what went through the damn target. Yeah. And the results came out from that. I've seen it on, on meat. It's unfreaking believable. You get around 600 grains and a good hand sharpened broadhead that, that you got at home to like a razor, like you'd shave your face with. It is unbelievable how fast animals go down. When you so hit is, is that your minimum? 600 grain even do you do you factor in draw length and how how does how does that all work no no you should not i've got a girl in mexico she's 13 years old she shoots a 700 grain arrow with a 300 grain tough head on it with a 35 pound recurve now they're hunting baited deer out of stands she just gets yeah. them close and she's burying it to the fletching on white-tailed deer that that arrow is not going 100 feet per second and it's just going all the way to the fletching. <laughs> it's, it's so beautiful. <laughs> it's so slow. I'll send you the video on text of her shooting a deer. The yeah. arrow fly, the arrow just perfect. And it's just all the way to the fletchings. And then you get on YouTube and people can't penetrate half an arrow into a deer. Because and it's consistent. Really? Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. The reason why I keep backing off a of 700 is that's that's pretty extreme and it's really difficult longer out further out there. It does get a little lopy. It's very consistent flight parabola, but it's lopier, and I will not deny that. The trajectory is much different than a faster arrow. But around 550 or 600, I started to have this kind of wow factor happen. Now remember, this is all front loaded. I didn't, I didn't increase the mass of the shaft. I spined up, but I didn't intentionally get a full metal jacket, which is the worst arrow on the damn earth. Never shoot full metal jackets. They're garbage. But I didn't, um, I didn't shoot a 12 or 13 grain per inch arrow 
and 125 grain point. I, I looked at what Ed was doing and just, I was shooting 340s, 65 pounds. I went up to 250, but I had 300 grains up front. Your and broadhead? That's about a 620 grain arrow for me. Your, your FOC or, or what? That, the arrow, that arrow platform with 300 grains up front on the 250 mile center is about 17 or 18%. And the ones that I should normally hunt with are in 24% because I'm really, I'm putting another hundred and, you know, another hundred on the front. And, and how fast is your arrow? I don't know. It oh, no, I do because of the Labrador. Uh, the 700 grain arrow launches at 225. Wow. And what? Don't worry about it. Yeah. (laughs) It's like getting, it's like, it's like, uh, you know, getting hit by a 10 speed at 60 miles an hour or getting hit by a Mack truck at 25 miles an hour. Right. It's very similar, but you have the arrows. I also have the really, a really high performance broadhead on the front that barely causes any, it has no resistance. I mean, the broadhead itself is so long and skinny. Even my shorter, like I have a 200-grain broadhead that we sell through Serious Archery, the Ranchberry broadhead, and it's shorter, but it's still super efficient. It's another thing you'll see if you learn to sharpen your broadheads and get them really razor sharp and shoot an efficient platform like a Magnus Stinger, something like that is a good start, you know, a broadhead to start with if you're jumping in. You're going to start shooting deer and they won't move, they won't run. You go 600 grains, 550, perfect flight, razor sharp broadhead. You're going to shoot through things and they're going to hop and kind of hop off like you scared, like you spooked them a little bit, but they don't run fast and they tend to run over there and stop. Look around like, what the hell? And then the tip over. And I said this to you on the phone and I've said it to on multiple podcasts. I heard, when I first started talking to the Ashby guys who were doing this, shooting six, eight hundred grains, hunting deer and stuff, they said, when I hit them right, I don't even wait. I just go get them. And I thought they were kind of arrogant asses. They're wrong. They're right. When I shoot a pig that I'm doing a test on and I back up the video and I hit it right, I just get out of the stand and go get it. They're dead. They're dead. Just because of that force of a heavier arrow. No, because you're shooting an arrow plat. You're shooting a broadhead that can survive impact, and it's still sharp when it goes through the thoracic cavity and it lacerates the internal organs to the point that it's unsurvivable. So, one of the interesting things this is anecdotal, but when I started doing this, what I'll tell you what pissed me off. I stopped. I, I talked about the ten pound bass. I stopped shooting pigs, and I started hunting the big ones. I put out cameras. I didn't like whitetails. And if you really hunt the big ones on the ranch, you'll get four shots a year. You'll have whole herds in front of you. You can't shoot them. You need them there and calmly leaving for tomorrow. Because you yeah. never know. They, one of them, the salad goes in heat, and all of a sudden, the biggest pig on the ranch comes in with her. It's just like deer hunting. Like if you're public hunting and the deer go through and it's not a deer you want to shoot, you don't blow them out and scream at them. You come back next because you got them kind of, they're going from an oxbow, they're moving to food. You go back in the next day and you let them go by because you never know, right? And I was, at one time, I was 50% killing the big ones 
on shots under 20 yards. And I was hitting them pretty darn good. I was getting half an arrow on them. And I think the broadheads were dull by the time they got into the lungs and the heart region. I think that the hair, the mud, some of them come in, they look like an M&M. They're laying in the mud all day and they just hate. Anybody who's ever cleaned an animal knows your knives dull pretty fast on hair. Yeah. Right? Unless you got really good knives. I only know this because I see it now. Now I actually know how to sharpen. Now I actually get them to the razor sharp edge. Back how do you do that? Standard broadheads. Well, I've got a strop and stones, and we did, we're coming out with a broadhead that you can sharpen without a jig here in the next uh, six or eight weeks. Hopefully, I got the prototypes in my hands, and they are fantastic. But I run them on stones. It's an art. I strop them down. And I'll only shoot a broadhead that if you shave your arm, the hairs jump off. Not not lay on the blade. If, it, yeah. if they just lay on the, they're pretty sharp. If they lay on the steel, they're really sharp when the hairs pop off. It's incredible what the difference is when you're hunting. Yeah. All this applies to what you actually want to talk about, which is shooting far. That broadhead still has to penetrate. It's got to survive impact. Elk roll in the mud and wallow and all that. Their hair is long. They're annoying. Like they're big too. And the further you get down range, every yard that your arrow travels is slowing down from the minute you launch it. There's no there's no launch speed, then increase in speed, <laughs> and then it slows down. If it launches at 290 at the bow, it's slowing down from that from the minute it leaves the knock. It's slowing down. Right. And if your broadhead platform is is a high resistance it's going to be hard to get penetration and if it's bad steel it's going to dull before it hits the vital organs and it's it's a scary confident it's a sc- scary algorithm <laughs> it's a backwards algorithm i mean it's it's pretty it's pretty common sense that you shouldn't be taking long shots even on a big animal think deer are probably the worst thing to shoot far at because they tend to bounce um there's a, there's a video by somebody one of the big guys put up posted a video of shooting a i think it was an all dad it was at 109 yards and everybody's like wow that's amazing all i saw was that the animal took a step before the arrow got there and i didn't see a picture of him with the animal doesn't mean he didn't get it, okay? I don't know because I don't see a picture of it. Yeah. But I did see the arrow in flight. It's like four feet over it. It's so far out there. It's way up in the air. And as the arrow's approaching, the animal goes like that. Just goes like that. You just altered the impact point from it looks good going. The impact point altered between eight inches and a foot, and it went the wrong direction. It went towards the guts. Oh, shit. 109 yards, the animal could take. Three steps. It didn't look like the animal. The animal was head up looking around. It wasn't like alert looking at him. It was far enough and the camera didn't really, wouldn't clear on the, you know, it got, it, the, I think the camera picked up some grass or something. It's, it's hard to video, but pretty sure. So I think the animal was moving from the sound of the arrow coming. 
he didn't really jump or anything, and he wasn't feeding and moving around. It could likely be he stood there long enough as a fine, I got to go up the hill. Whatever, right? But the arrow's halfway there, and then he moves. And I think he heard it coming. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to paint the celebrities or or the the hunting shows with a with a broad brush, broad brush, because they're that's right. They're not all the same. Nope. But that's not fair to do, right? The reality of it is, is that many of these shows take place on private ranches where the animals are less pressured. Yep. And so shooting longer ranges is is uh I don't want to say easier but it's it can be more forgiving just from the It's more practical and forgiving because he, of the animal situation. Sure. Yeah. But they're still wild. I've got a buddy who's got one of these high fence ranches where you actually artificially inseminate the does and do all the Texas stuff, right? High fence yeah. and all that. Yeah. And we've we've cut deer out of the pens that grew up in the pens, cut bucks out, and you yeah. never see them again. Yeah. And they're not they didn't get out. They've just got something in them that says, I don't want I don't like people. I mean, yeah. it's amazing. <laughs> so some of the private ranch stuff, um, it's fair to say that those animals are less pressured, less all that stuff, but they still don't want to die. And um, if they if they're wild, then they've still been bothered by things, right? They live 24-7 out there. It's just like I said, it's hard to promote it's it's gotta be great to be able to do that as a superior skill set. Like I said, I've already said, I agree. There are people who can do this and put the arrow on target at that range under hunting stress. I, I know that. Yeah. It's a fact. Every sport has the top people, but not at that saying, Hey man, please make sure, you know, you get a lot of reps and practice a lot and you can do this. It'd be arrogant to say I'm not normal, but they're not normal. <laughs> they're not. Yeah. It's just, it's hard. It's a hard conundrum. Yeah, um, there, there's few people that can even come close to the effectiveness of the Randy Almers, the Levi Morgans. But that's right. They're the best shooters in the world. They are. Yeah. And it's just hard to. It's hard to try to move that to average humans and say be like me. And I don't know that they are. I don't know them. I don't. A lot of people make fun of me and think, you know, I'm kind of an a-hole because I'm kind of opinionated, but I guarantee I'm a pretty good time. I'm a lot of fun. I like to have fun and laugh a lot. And we do a lot of stupid stuff still at 54 that we shouldn't be doing <laughs> and, um, and have a great time. But so I, not knowing those people, I don't know where their heart lies. I'm not, I'm not, um, how should I phrase this? I'm not, condemning them for being able to do it yeah but there is the monkey see monkey do factor where people want to emulate their idols their 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 uh their heroes and they do yep. shit that they shouldn't be doing because well we do that in every every yeah. facet of life you drive too fast you know all this stuff Try to jump too high. Try to play with tackle football when you're 54 and pull both hamstrings and break a shoulder. It's great. But yeah, um, how how many people, how many kids in our generation and 
in the eighties and, and, you know, broke ribs and, and broke arms trying to jump their bikes because evil can evil. Of course. You know, you got the cinder block and a piece of wood. Yeah. My concern from my angle is really about the efficiency of the system. Once it gets there, we have that. We already kind of established that there's some trouble with skill set, and there's people who are exceptional at getting the arrow to go onto the intended shot line, which may not match the impact when the animal does anything. And then back to the tank thing. I don't know if they're designing an arrow system that's going to penetrate every time. What if it, what if it turns and it's a shoulder shot at 109 yards? So um, the long range guys and the people who are planning to shoot long range. I don't know that they build an arrows platform. That's the most uh, efficient based on ed study or, or whatever, and then try to learn how to shoot that a long way. 90% of them build an arrow that they feel shoots the best a long way and then screw a broadhead on the front of it. And there's two different things. Penetrating the target is not necessarily because you hit it. Right. Ed's, ta- Ed's study would not be a controversy if he's if he didn't say, I just tried to penetrate the target. It pisses everybody off because they want to shoot the arrow they want to shoot more than they want to shoot an arrow that is the highest penetrator. If it's not, if it doesn't do the work it's intended to do, then your goal is to acquire a critter. You're uh, pissing up a rope. Is that what they say? Is that what they say? <laughs> pissing up a rope, pissing up the wrong tree. Pissing up a rope. Should people be shooting expandable broadheads? Turkeys. I think turkeys have a, are a pretty good argument because their kill zones are so small. But I don't... Um, <clears throat> the more I mess with them, it's um, the two things that bother me the most. Well, I just did a video on this on uh, the recommended kinetic energy for mechanical broadheads if you ramble around the internet, it's about 50 foot pounds. Some say 60, some say 40. Okay. Most people's arrows launch at 80, 85. You've already taken 40 foot pounds of kinetic energy out of the equation. When you bought the things mm-hmm. by the, by the manufacturer's recommendations, you've cut the efficiency in half. There's no, you've lost half the pop. Should something go wrong? That one. It's terrifying. So no on that. And then the second thing, and a lot of people don't think about this, and I wish we had video. Um, knives and broadheads aren't supposed to chop. They're cutting devices. They slide down things and cut them off. They're not chopping devices. Like take a rock and try to break the pelvis of a deer. You will do it with your knife. Your knife will be destroyed. Yeah. Because you're because you're banging the edge directly into what you're hitting instead of cutting it, okay? Sliding down it and cutting it. The angle of attack for the mechanicals is so flat. I think some of the losses that you hear about and say you get half an arrow in them, 
It's because the blades are destroyed. You can it isn't, it is absolutely false that if you get a pretty dull broadhead, but you get it into the lungs, they're gonna die efficiently. They're not they're probably gonna die. Because you've popped, you've cut a hole in their lungs, that lung's gonna sort of collapse. There's multiple lobes and lungs. I can take you down a rabbit hole of physiology that's all facts, and you can find it on the internet or you can find it in books. Books are more reliable these days, but most people don't like to read. I read 39 books last year, so I read a little bit. But <clears throat> just because it enters the thoracic wall uh, cavity does not mean that it is efficiently lethal, meaning I'd prefer nothing to go 100 yards. Hit okay, you know, into the long heart area doesn't necessarily have to be on the vital v but let's say you get a pretty good rib cage hit within two inches of the of the of the crease on any animal in north america they shouldn't go 100 and the mechanical broadheads when they open up start to chop well ribs are kind of flexible Mm -hmm. in fact they're really flexible you couldn't breathe if they weren't if your lung, if your chest wall was completely solid, you couldn't breathe. It's impossible. Like you inhale and exhale, and inhale and exhale. Take a big breath and fill your chest up, and you feel it expand. But we're so used to it, we don't think about this. So the the muscle in between the ribs is relatively, and you cut it, so it's going to give a little bit. That rib could actually hit that steep angled broadhead and slide down a little bit, and rake the whole blade. Well, the the blade hit like a like a axe. It hit at a perpendicular angle. It flattens it. The steel on mechanic. I haven't seen a good steel on a mechanical blade anywhere. I don't keep up. So for people listening, calm down. I don't keep up. <laughs> I fish a lot. My so, um, right there, you're going to flatten the blades. They're going to be dull. So even the appearance gonna... of a, a, a deadly shot could be altered by what you just explained with a mechanical because it's 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 dulling as the deer say theoretically runs off and and it's breathing and and yeah you could have half an arrow in them you could get it all the way to the other rib cage and penetrate all the all the you can do <clears throat> once you hit the other ribs you, the arrow's done everything it can to kill something right we prefer it to exit but let's just say a mechanical ghost hits the ribs. It's very rare that a mechanical broadhead doesn't hit both ribs. I mean, they're super wide. Yeah. So like a deer, the intercostal space is only an inch. You got a two-inch mechanical, do the math. You're hitting two ribs. Sorry. Let's say the blades are inch and a half long each. And in total, that's three inches of blade, let's say. Let's say an inch and a half of it's dull by rib impacts. You've now reduced your lethality by 50% because you've only got 50% of them sharp. And so <clears throat> that's where you're going to get these. Everybody's, I've had it happen. I shot them a long time. Just weird ones. Like last two I shot there, died like crazy. And then this one just decided to run all over the damn place. I guess they're just tough. No. <laughs> <laughs> From a cardiovascular surgeon's perspective, there's no tough organs. They have to be cut. Just the facts. And arteries are semi-muscular. 
where you wouldn't have blood pressure. So they actually expand and contract to adjust your blood pressure. And they'll roll out of the way. There's no tough organs, just all broadheads. That's absolutely true. And they have to survive the impact or uh, wall, thoracic wall. And then if they're sharp inside, that's your best chance to put them down in a hurry. And this also leads back to the blood trail thing, which I get a lot of crap about because people say, oh, the little broad has no blood trails and all that stuff. And please tell me you get a broad blood trail every time with a mechanical. You're a liar if you say you do because nobody does. But if they go 60 yards and fall over and they don't bleed, you kind of know where they went. Go over there. You're going to find them. If they go 260 yards and fall over and the blood trail is sparse, that's a much bigger search area. Yep. So it just it just gets tough. And then if you shoot 65 or 70 yards at one across a canyon, you kind of know where you shot at them. Um, and they run off. It gets a little crazy. Like saying where your starting point is. Especially the arrows in them. In, in my in my experience with the expandables, specifically Rage, you know, I bought in to the hype, and and I think a lot of yeah, people sure. were were excited about it too. Yep, and I didn't have good experience with them. Yeah, and it expanded. It did its. It did what it's supposed to do, but it just didn't. Mm-hmm. It didn't leave the carnage that I <laughs> that I that I was expecting. Yeah, yeah, that's a very honest thing to say. The guys when when I hear people who say I've never, when people throw the word never into a sentence, it's the same thing as hanging a hundred percent. Right, zero times have I ever had any problems. And when I get those emails or stupid messages on YouTube, I say, "Keep doing it. I'll be here." Like, if it stops working, I'll be here. Yeah, you know, yep. Captain Counterculture will be over here talking, ready to help you out. Keep going. For the people <laughs> who are successful with the normal aero systems and stuff, I don't care. I'm not that much of a warrior on this. I've just seen what happens when you upgrade everything and how much more lethal I've been. It's more satisfying. We used to shoot when we used to shoot pigs in the old days, this is 15 years ago. We always say, okay, gotta wait an hour. And it was always tough. It always was. And now it's just smash and go. Or if somebody hits one weird, I try to get everybody on the branch to video the shot so I can see what happened. And um, if they shoot one kind of in the middle or whatever, there's a couple I've said, yeah, yeah, no. We'll see that one tomorrow. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, they're really durable. I, sh- I had one get away from me. I hunted this one pig. He's probably the biggest pig I'd ever shot. He's probably was pushing 260, 270. He was a big, fat, porky pig. I mean, fat, real domestic. He didn't have the long nose and all that stuff. He was wild boar, but he was just real domestic, like a big ass on him. And because um, the, the feral hogs have a narrow butt, the real feral ones. And this guy, I don't know what the hell happened to him. He looked like he just got out of a pen, but he'd been there. We've seen him for years. I hunted him 10 times. And on the 11th hunt, I finally saw him. Like I never saw him. I had cameras on him and everything. He comes in 16 yards. I got the camera rolling. I'm like, oh, it's going to be epic. I draw my bow and there's another pig there. And I 
locked down on him. And right when I shoot, I wiggle and he waggled. Like he turned a little bit. And I hit four inches behind the crease. Low. And I rolled the camera back and I went, never going to find his ass. Harold went right through him and skipped, went 20 yards past. Broadhead was still sharp. He shows up on camera at another feeder two weeks later. No shit. No worse for wear. Yep. No worse for wear. I missed by two inches. He wiggled when I waggled. I shot. That was so frustrating because it's, I'd hunted him so hard. Cameras. I had a cell camera on his ass going, you're dead. You know, you look at your (laughs) pictures. Oh yeah, baby. No, he's still out there. And uh, he's running around. So he just decided not to come back to that deer feeder because he got shot. He went to another one. I shot a buck in, <laughs> in rifle season that when it was butchered, it had a visible broadhead mark through its rib, and it had a big scab on the opposite side front uh, leg just covered mm-hmm. over. It was like a huge scab where it, where it probably worked itself out. And... I don't know how this deer survived, but it did. Mm-hmm. But the guy who shot it, I'm sure, exhausted himself looking for yeah. this deer because it just looked like it should have been a perfect shot, dead deer. But I shot the sucker yep. three weeks later in rifle season. Those are the unexplainable ones. I've had a couple of subscribers shoot deer and send me cell pictures, and you can see the marks on them, and it's good. like the. And they're shooting good arrows. This is somebody who said, dude, I did everything you said. I shot through it, went 20 yards past it. Here he is 10 days later. And I cannot explain that to you. Yeah. I, I cannot. We're never going to be 100%. We just want to be as lethal as possible. And it's it's like throwing a, a jerk bait with three treble hooks and somehow bass hit it and get away. I don't know how that's even possible. Yeah. When a fish knocks the slack out of your line to the and pulls the rod with three treble hooks and it just never was there. How do you do that? <laughs> they don't have hands. Right? They don't have hands. They bite things. So it's hard to explain, but we really uh back to your kind of long range thing for the people listening kind of wrap this up on this thought and you and I can do this again. Yeah. Um, um I, I finish your thought and then I have a question. Okay, that's fine. I don't I don't necessarily need to get hauling ass. I guess a couple things to do here a little bit. But for the guys who are planning to go west, which is where most of this discussion is wrapped around in my sure. opinion. I want you to think about of course I want you to watch my channel and I crap. I really don't care if you watch my stuff or not. But I want you to put this in your head and I want you to think if you're shooting the most efficient penetrator for what you're trying to attempt. And are you certain that that's the right penetrator for as far out as you're going to go? That's it. I just That's all I want you to do. And before you start trying to you know, shoot a long way at something, are you thinking about penetration and killing the animal? Or are you thinking about delivering the animal because you've been shooting tack all summer? Excuse me. Are you thinking about how what arrow shoots the best because you've changed arrow platforms during tack and seen some perform better than others? Which means 
maybe you're more accurate. Accuracy does not equal penetration. Yeah. Never will. It's not even possible. It doesn't hurt that you're not flinging them all over the place. Okay, I'll give you that. The fact that you're not shooting a 12-inch circle at 60 yards and praying and spraying, I can agree with you on that. But it doesn't mean when you hit them right, it's going to penetrate fully and go fully through it and at least get the broadhead out the other side. They're accuracy, two different things altogether. Accuracy does not, accuracy does not equate to lethality. 100%. And I'll give you an example. Um, I get a lot of crap, and I've had a couple of the big pros come after me just saying I preach bad shot placement. They say that I, I'm preaching the arrow system that will break bone, which it will, if you go over 650 and bear shaft tune and get the right broadheads, that I'm intentionally encouraging people to shoot animals into the heavy bones. I've never said that once, but it's an easy way to chip off, leave your comments and walk off the stage, right? Sure. Do the mic drop and just leave that crap out there. The point of aim that I encourage is the most lethal factual place in the world. And that is to shoot right over the top of the heart. There isn't a cardiac surgeon on the planet that wouldn't say that is bad for your freaking health mm-hmm. to shoot right across the top of the heart. So, so <clears throat> what they're saying is, and I've had this actually said, you're encouraging people to shoot a bone breaking, you know, in that's how they say it in quotes, and they can just aim kind of towards the front and it'll work every time. Accuracy, you're not, shot placement matters more than that. And it's insane because I have like four videos on shot placement. <laughs> <laughs> With physiology diagrams, factual things. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. But I promise you, my counter to that is just go on YouTube and watch 50 deer get shot. And you tell me that the error performance is 100% consistent. Yeah, it's not. Because that's what I'm worried about. I want you to shoot through everything. Every time. The exception should be leaving an arrow in a deer. Not, oh, that's normal. So what was your question? I was going to suggest let's end this with why people shouldn't try to shoot long range. If you can sum it up in a couple of sentences. And if you want to shoot long range, what you need to do to be able to extend your different di- distances. Um. You shouldn't shoot long range because I don't know that you're building an arrow platform to penetrate at long range. That's Plain it. Simple. Now, what you said, we've, we've talked around this like four times, but yeah. if you're shooting your arrow that's the mo- you think is the most accurate attack, that doesn't mean it's a good penetrator. Period. Done there. If you're going to shoot long range, you want to get a really stable platform, the arrow system itself. I have a whole list on this. I have one video called bear shaft tuning the process. And I recommend you bear shaft tune every single arrow in your platform. I recommend you get a moderate to light GPI arrow of proper spine that flies. Don't be so sucked into the light arrow that you shoot a 400 spine arrow, shoot a proper spine arrow. So use these the 300 250 for an average person bow hunting and get your four to center 
over 16%. Because aeronautically, NASA, airplane people, model rocket guys, and people who launch stuff in the air like Mr. Musk, they all know that the forward or center is more stable, a more stable projectile, consistent. It tends to dampen faster going down range. And then on impact, all the weights in the front. You're shooting a really heavy bullet with a tail on it. You're not shooting the whole arrow at them. You're shooting this very heavy thing on the front that happens to have a tail that's helping steer it. And you want that to be, you. the combination there is accurate and then the platform will penetrate. And then I highly recommend two blade broadheads or a two blade with a small bleeder on it because those are the most efficient penetrators. Say um, that again. You recommend what? Uh, a two blade broadhead is preferably single bevel because it's a really good penetrator. And should you throw one, it could break bone, certainly break a scapula. And then if you're going to shoot bleeder blades, they need to be set back. Like a Magnus Stinger's got the main blade and then behind it's got two little bleeders set behind the main blade, not up front Mm -hmm. and razor sharp. And that's the best platforms for, once again, you're shooting at a tank. It could shoot back. Yeah. You want your projectile to go through the tank and 550 grains, give or take. If 515 shoots better than 560, shoot 515. If it's more consistent bear shaft, I'm not going to always go heavy. I'm going to go with consistent flight. But brother, if 575 flies like a dart and you're just sad that it does because you want your bow to shoot 280 feet per second, shoot the 580 grain arrow. (laughs) (laughs) Open your pins up and go hunting. That's the magic bullet. Well, I think we can end it there, man. Not so humble opinion. This was this was good stuff. I think we can end it there. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me on. I really am kind of blown away. I was started my channel with no intent of ever being. I wanted my tinfoil hat and sit in the corner, have two thousand subscribers, and nobody, everybody just says that dude is freaking weird, and (laughs) I am, and it's got a little bit out of hand. Hey, but it's been fun. I I started off on this podcast as a guest, and I'm supporting Matt with hosting some episodes. So it's it's pretty crazy how shit works out. Yeah, just keep trying, right? You just keep plugging. You see where it goes. And then COVID helped us all. Everybody got so bored they watched the Ranch Ferry. (laughs) (laughs) It's been fun. I've seen every other video on the internet. I've seen every meme. I'll just, you know, I'll watch this idiot. Ah, boy, it helped. (laughs) I don't like COVID and it was stupid, but it sure as hell helped my audience. So it's been fun. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. And uh, they could find you at where? Ranch Ferry. Yeah. Just type in Ranch Ferry. You'll find me. There's no, that's the beauty of having such a weird name. Uh, It's just not very hard to find me. Ranch Ferry, anything. Put it in Google. I'll come up and I'll be there. All right. I think we can wrap it up. Thanks for coming on, Troy. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, sure. No problem. We'll talk again.